Today is the two-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. Boom, boom, boom. And we're going to be talking about censorship and the incalculable, unmeasurable effect of the damage that censorship has on community, society, and family. Generally, we tend to look at the individual who has been censored or banned or deplatformed, but we cannot measure the incalculable damage that happens to a people who don't ever get to hear what the message would have been. When the people don't get to hear the story, the truth, it's incalculable and immeasurable. It might seem insignificant when one person gets censored, but there's this infinite incalculability to the harm of how many people would have benefited from that message if it were heard. So in the First Amendment is a protection for the people to have the opportunity to hear the message. And it's a crime to prevent the people from hearing that message. Thanks for tuning in. Let's dive right in. Censorship and audience. There's an insidious, incalculable effect that the ongoing and increasing violations of the First Amendment have on the broader community. Any argument for censorship is an evil and dead-end argument. I've recently heard the new Orwellian term freedom of speech absolutist, denouncing people who want, need, value freedom. Those who value freedom are being called things like far-right and anti-vaxxer by those who hate freedom. Censorship is something that only totalitarian and dictatorial regimes and bullies and abusers do. And the most overlooked part of the never-ending debate on freedom versus control is the effect that censorship has on the audience that when one individual is censored the audience is deprived of something something incalculable unmeasurable totalitarian totalitarianism 
is the most effective form of control because if a people can never even conceive of something which might have been garnished from listening to, receiving or hearing a message or a concept, knowledge or wisdom shared from an individual, if the people can never even conceive of something because they never heard of that something, because the individual that would have shared or disseminated or spread that message, the audience then is deprived of that message and then the audience has a non-conception. And in that non-conception, there's an internal prison. When there's an internal prison, there is no need for external pressures. External pressures are from more of the dictatorial style regimes. While the external pressures are horrific, nightmarish, terroristic, there becomes no need for external pressures to imprison the people because they're in their own internal prison without even the ability for any conception so that when one individual is censored silenced, banned deplatformed when one individual is censored it might not seem like a significant it, it might seem insignificant that one individual is censored, that factually is insignificant. But the significance is that it's incalculable and immeasurable, the reality of how massive the significance may have been if the message, speech, the conception shared by the individual is never heard. It's an immeasurable, incalculable abuse. There's no way to measure it. It's incalculable because you can silence and censor one individual and then it's just swept under the rug, ignored, overlooked, because in this society that truly pedestalizes statistics, numbers, data, there can't be any statistics, numbers, data on something immeasurable, incalculable. So the effect of censoring one individual seems insignificant it's actually infinite harm the harm is so incalculable and so infinite 
that it is an infinite amount of harm to censor. Anyone arguing for censorship, I don't even want to say the name of Sam Harris, who's a self-described American philosopher. He's an atheist. They call him one of the four horsemen of the new atheist movement. Sam Harris is a... He's really a cleric in the church of scientism. He's really a cleric in his dogmatic uh, hatred of church and religion, spirituality. Sam Harris believes that there is nothing spiritual flowing into the natural, which is, to me, the most grandiose, hubristic, arrogant, ignorant claim to say that there's nothing spiritual flowing into the natural. Sam Harris has been adamantly arguing for censorship, rationalizing why there needs to be censorship. Sam Harris, in those arguments, when you read between the lines, is saying that there's an expert class of scientists and then the rest of the people are just he considers them just ignoramuses and dangerous and he uses words to talk about people in this broad sweeping one size fits all way he says that the trump movement is demonic which is ironic coming from an atheist demonic and compared to what demonic compared to what how can an atheist call something demonic demonic as compared to what sam harris was recently doing a podcast where he was rationalizing and trying to justify why it was good that twitter was deplatforming and silencing people and then sam harris is no longer on twitter and now he's trying to tell people to get off of Twitter and he's patting himself on the back for having gotten off Twitter. I don't want to talk anything more about Sam Harris because there's too much to talk about. He demonizes people with names like anti-vaxxers, far-right extremists. It's the same old, tired... It's, it's that, what, how do they say it? The, the ironclad law of woke projection. The ironclad law of woke projection. It's so interesting when someone is so dogmatically an atheist that their religion is atheist. It's so ironic to hear Sam Harris be so fixated on Donald Trump he is so fixated on Donald Trump as being some kind of boogeyman that he puts Donald Trump on a pedestal. His fixation on Donald Trump is more fixated than the most proud Trumpster. You know how an anorexic and an obese person both have a disorder with food. When I talk about the 
ironclad law of woke projection, Sam Harris being so fixated on Donald Trump as being a boogeyman and so fixated on calling the Trump movement demonic, he has so thoroughly put Trump and Trump's followers on a pedestal that when you examine trust the science and trust the plan both trust the plan and trust the science are the same disorder similar to the anorexic and the obese person the Q the people in the Trump movement that believed in Q with the trust the plan it's the same disorder of trust the science it's cult like so Sam Harris is a cleric in the trust the science movement and he considers anything outside of trust the science as far right extremism the trust the science is a cult because what defines a cult a cult is defined by unyielding unquestioning faith in authority and or in the objects and things that the authorities present how, how does one picture what that means? Well, unquestioning, unyielding faith in authority, Sam Harris is saying that science is the authority. Oftentimes, I want to reiterate something that Carl Jung says in the book, The Undiscovered Self, when he's talking about how communism, and he's warning of this in 1959, he's warning the public in his book, The Undiscovered Self, that communism will be born out of America, out of the United States, that that's the next place it will be born out of. And he explains in The Undiscovered Self that it's because of our trust the science, of our placing statistics on a pedestal. He gives this example of a gravel driveway pebbles and pebble rocks and gravel in a driveway he gives an example of a science experiment go into that driveway collect a hundred stones gravel pebbles go collect a random sample of a hundred stones from that driveway bring them inside put them on a scale weigh them find the average Let's just say that the average weight of those stones is 0.035 grams. Now go throw those stones and pebbles and gravel back in the driveway. And then try to find one stone that weighs 0.035 grams. And he says that most likely you'll spend the rest of your life not finding one that weighs exactly 0.035 grams. And he uses this example as a... An experiment, you could go do it yourself and see how it works out. But he uses this example to show how science and placing science on a pedestal shows an average which does not match reality. Where the reality, in fact, is that irregularities are the norm. The exception to the rules are the rule. But science is all about one-size-fits-all approaches like Put a shot in everyone's arm, no matter the harm. And Sam Harris is saying that anyone 
who is doing nothing, you know, for thousands and thousands of years, if you were doing nothing, just living in harmony with nature, and if you're still just living in harmony in nature today, that Sam Harris would call you an anti-vaxxer. Because Sam Harris wants everybody to trust the science, which is unquestioning, unyielding faith and authority. Put a shot in everyone's arm, no matter the harm. And then that ironclad law of woke projection, where... Sam Harris calls people far-right extremists. How extreme is it to have a one-size-all-fits approach when the reality is that the irregularity is the norm, the exception to the rule is the rule? I would challenge Sam Harris to run that experiment where he goes into a driveway and picks up pebbles and rocks and puts them on a scale and finds the average. And let's just say again, let's just say he found that the average is 0.035. So now he has a data point. So the theory was that all pebbles weigh 0.035 pounds. Now go into the driveway, try to find one that's 0.035 you'll find for the rest of your life that you find one that's heavier or lighter, or maybe you find a hundred pebbles that are heavier and then you find five that are lighter and, and you spend the rest of your life never, ever, ever finding what the science showed. And Sam Harris is all for censorship because He believes that somehow people in their questions and concern are somehow causing vaccine hesitancy and and the misinformation and disinformation that people are spreading on the internet. But what he is saying is that there's only one narrative when the reality is the irregularities, the exceptions to the rule. Sam Harris also is rationalizing. He says that COVID was a moving target and, and people were spreading lies and misinformation. And we, in order to save the world from COVID, we had to err on the side of safety and He's arguing for abandoning principles that were put in place so that we wouldn't abandon those principles in times of fear and in times of emergencies. He's arguing to abandon these principles that we put into place in order to supposedly protect the society from this moving target called COVID. And he's arguing to censor and ban people. And he's, in a sense, asking for forgiveness for those abuses. It's like the bully setting the path 
for how forgiveness would even happen, where he's just saying, no, we weren't even wrong. We did the right thing. It's the bully denying that they were being a bully, which is more bullying. Even the smallest, most insignificant amount of censorship has an incalculable, unmeasurable amount of damage, abuse, harm to a community, a town, a society, a people. It seems insignificant to censor one person, but it's immeasurable in the harm it does. Dictatorial regimes use external forces to censor. Sam Harris is saying that, well, it was bots and it was, it was hired keyboard warriors in the Philippines doing the censoring and He's rationalizing and saying that no one should be held accountable because it was bots and it was people running keyboards, tapping on keyboards in the Philippines, which just completely <laughs> passes the buck and, and, and causes some kind of deniability, like this plausible deniability to say, no, don't hold anyone accountable for breaking principles, for doing evil. Trust the science. Trust the experts. That's a very evil dead-end argument coming from someone who puts themselves on a pedestal as an authority, as an expert. Hell is so confusing. Hell is so disorienting that even Sam Harris's message is so confusing and so disorienting. And that's what we are simply calling the ironclad law of woke projection. Because everything that Sam Harris is saying about the demonic Trump movement, what Sam Harris is saying about himself is that Sam Harris is demonic. When Sam Harris is using demonic, demonizing, demonic, dehumanizing words such as anti-vaxxer and far-right extremist, what he's saying is that he himself is an extremist. And what he himself is saying is don't trust. What he's saying is don't question the authority. Just be in the cult. Trust the science. And his fixation on Donald Trump. And I mean, Sam Harris, today is January 6th. Sam Harris is obsessed with January 6th. He's obsessed with it. He's put it on a pedestal. Sam Harris calls Donald Trump a narcissist. And one thing I wish Sam Harris would realize is that narcissism has a symptom where the symptom of narcissism is when one places their trauma on a pedestal. Anytime the image doesn't match the reality, that's narcissism. So one, when one is placing their trauma on a pedestal, it's like they've placed the image on a pedestal and it doesn't match the reality. The image of January 6th doesn't match the reality of January 6th. 
the image of quote unquote the Trump movement doesn't match the reality of the Trump movement because the reality of the Trump movement is that the irregularity is the norm, the exception to the rule is the rule, that there is no way to just demonize a movement. Because it's filled with all these irregular exceptions to the rule. I'm going to stop talking about Sam Harris and I'm going to wrap this up saying that anybody arguing for any form of censorship is ignorant. It's a dead end argument. Who are you going to get to, to oversee the people that are doing the censoring? Who would you hire to do that? Imagine that job interview. Who would you hire to do that? What type of algorithm could you design to do it? And then who's going to look after that person who designed that algorithm? Who's going to oversee the person that gets hired to do the censoring, the fact-checking? It's just an evil argument coming from a bully. Partly why I'm venting this today, I'm going to wrap this up, is that my, my older brother, who works in Silicon Valley, he works in the industry that very much seems to be the nucleus of wokeism, Silicon Valley, he sent me a podcast to listen to by Sam Harris. You know, a year or two ago, my brother said that I was a deranged, uh, far-right conspiracy theorist Trumpster, and he said that I was putting my mom in harm's way and I was threatening her life because I wasn't wearing a mask around my mom. Funny enough, I'm sitting in urgent care parking lot because I drove my mom to urgent care today. And she's not wearing a mask and I'm not wearing a mask and it's just absolute bonkers to have someone who has unyielding faith in masks, unquestioning faith in masks. So when I say, what does it look like to have unyielding, unquestioning faith in authority? That's the definition of a cult, unyielding, unquestioning faith. That, that's it right there. The unyielding faith in a mask, the unquestioning faith in a mask. And then to have my brother tell me that it's dangerous for my mom that I'm not wearing one. That's what a dictatorial regime does. Dictatorships cause family members to police other family members. And a dictatorship slowly turns or quickly turns into totalitarianism because eventually eventually the next generation doesn't even question you know at some point in the future the the new community society won't even conceive of a society that's not freely breathing and freely communicating to sum things up even what might seem like a uh, 
tiny, insignificant type of abuse where an individual is being censored. The It's almost like a... Um, a grand distraction where we're looking at the individual instead of at the incalculable, immeasurable damage done to the people that could have garnished some type of knowledge, wisdom, or an entire new conception if they had heard the message the speech the story and that part of the argument is so incalculable immeasurable that there is no argument to deprive people to deprive a community, a citizenry, a society from the opportunity to hear and listen, to deprive that community knowledge, wisdom, that is severe hellishness, abusiveness, totalitarian, dictatorial Abuse, it's the stuff that only bullies would do. And the argument that some censorship needs to happen in order to keep people safe, and that is just a hellish, disgusting, controlling, vomitous, putrid. That argument reeks of falsity that just reeks of falsity you know because the truth sometimes hurts in order in order for there to ever be any kind of healing from things first there really has to be remembering and the remembering there has to be story people need to talk the story needs to be shared. The truth needs to be told. And the ones who are arguing for censorship and safety, they might be arguing for their own safety so that they don't ever go to prison for harming other people. The very ones that are arguing for censorship might just be arguing to save their own hide so that they don't ever have to face the accountability for the terror and horror that they inflicted on people. Always, 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 always be pro-freedom of speech. The reason there's a First Amendment is so that we stick to that principle, especially during emergencies, especially in times where our moorings don't feel sturdy. That's why we have these principles, so that they're there in times of emergencies, in times of strife, chaos,
fear. That's why we have these principles. They're there for those times. Anyone infringing upon that, it's, it's hellishness. And then the reason there's a second amendment is so that it's there for these times of emergency and chaos and strife. That's also a principle that's established so that it's there and it's not to be infringed upon just as the First Amendment is there. These are principles that are established so that they remain, especially in times of emergencies, strife, chaos, confusion, fear. Only bullies, cult members, dictators, and totalitarian regimes are for even the tiniest amount of censorship. And they love to be obsessed about science, the science. And I challenge you to go out into that pebble driveway with the sand and gravel and stones and pebbles and just take a random sample of all the rocks and sand and gravel in the driveway, bring it inside, put it on the scale, find the average weight. What is the average? And then throw that handful of stones and pebbles and sand back in the driveway and then go try to find one that fits that average. Can you even believe the sickness of this last few years of people proposing to put a shot in every arm, no matter the harm, these one-size-fits-all mandates from the people who have internalized totalitarianism to such a degree that they can't even see or even conceive of what freedom is anymore. They can't even see what freedom is anymore. They are the not sees. They can't even see what freedom is anymore. They can't even conceive of it. That's totalitarianism. A significant proportion of the population cannot even conceive of freedom any, anymore. And they unquestioningly, unyieldingly have faith in these one-size-fits-all approaches of put a shot in everyone's arm, no matter the harm. And then anyone who's against that, they're an anti-vaxxer. You know, I responded to my older brother about some of this, and I said it's really interesting that someone choosing to just do nothing is now an anti-vaxxer. Which just seems to be sort of like Taoist, you know, like the Tao Te Ching, Taoism. Taoism is just when someone lives in harmony with nature. That's all it is. Someone just living in harmony with nature. So if you're someone who's just living in harmony with nature, according to this new totalitarianism, you are a far-right extremist, anti-vaxxer,
communism, fascism, totalitarianism, socialism, all of those regimes, they're all placing science on a pedestal, which ignores the exception to the rule. It ignores the irregularities or the norm. And it's so confusing to try to even put all of this into words because how does one even argue with hell? Because hell is so disorienting. Hell is so confusing. And then the most hellish people are ridiculing God and ridiculing religion, of course, because hellish people hate God. They mock God just like Jesus was mocked carrying that cross with the thorns around his head being spat on. You can almost hear people spitting on Jesus and mocking him and making fun of him for not trusting the science and for living in harmony with nature and for doing nothing. Anti-vaxxer. Mocking him and telling him that God isn't real. How does one even try to argue with such hellishness? Well... The hellishness sure doesn't want to hear. The hellishness just wants to censor. And if it's not coming from top down, the hellishness will just go into a rage like a bully does. The hellishness just goes into a rage when it hears the truth, when it feels the warmth of the divine good and divine love the hellishness just it's like a vampire being exposed to the light I hope you'll remember the uh, gravel metaphor and why that metaphor is so important because that is one arrow that needs to be in your sling for your bow and arrow for your arrow of truth that that metaphor crumbles the trust the science cult of the scientism clerics like Sam Harris If you want to reach out, email me at three things at protonmail. Spell three things, T H R E E T H I N G S, three things at protonmail. Better than that, join the Patreon. Patreon is going to be going through a new name. Right now it is Cracked Liberty at Patreon. Join the patreon and you can see what the new name is going to be but join the patreon cracked liberty at patreon 
I think it's crackedliberty backslash patreon.com. Hope to see you there.